Good morning, church. It's good to see all your beautiful faces this morning. Uh, if you're joining us online, it's good to have you uh, with us as well. Welcome. Oh, Heavenly Father, we invite you into this place. We thank you for the things that you're doing and the things you are going to do. And we say, God, have your way. God, have your way. Move. I feel that things are going to be broken. God, I feel that things are going to be celebrated. And I thank you that we cannot even comprehend what you are doing and will do. So, God, we invite you to have your way. So if you want to stand with us again, we are going to jump right back into worship. Listen, there's an atmosphere here in the room. And while we were in prayer before, it wasn't there, but I was suddenly struck by how we have religiousized the manifestation of the presence of God. And it used to be where where we, we held a certain room to be holy in and of itself. And we told kids, you don't make any noise in here. You, you don't wear a hat. You don't do this. And the reason that that ritual, that tradition evolved was because there was a time when an unusual atmospheric glory of God's presence fell on the room and brought such awe that people were afraid to do anything except that which was directed totally, completely towards the Lord. And what happened is, like Israel, after the presence of God had left the temple, they continued with the rituals as though he was still there in the same way. So we have grown up in an atmosphere where that awe of God. You may think, well, but I've experienced the awe of God. I'm telling you, what's coming is many, 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 many times greater than any of us have ever experienced in our lives. And God is trying to prepare us to treat that presence with awe and respect. And so he's testing us at different moments with a wave of that glory to see if we're able to respond correctly. So, Father, we want to host your presence today. We don't want just empty words that say, holy, holy, holy. But, Lord, we long for the cloud to fill the room. We long, Father, for the pillar of your presence, your fire, your glory, your transforming Shekinah glory to come into this room. Father, create in us an appetite. Create in us a desire to host your presence. There are moments when Jesus can be found that are these threshold moments of transformation. This could be one today. This is the kind of day when blind Bartimaeus began to cry out, oblivious to anything else that was happening in and around him. He didn't care what else was happening. Such was his desperation. We read in Revelations. There are these epic moments. For example, when the the elders cast down their crowns. And it reads like one moment. 
Except it says, whenever the four beasts do this, the elders cast down their crowns. Whenever. We don't know. What is the role that the earth has in relationship to what's happening on heaven? I'll tell you this much. Everything that we're doing on earth, it's meant to replicate what's in heaven so that what's in heaven can be on the earth. The same magnitude, the same power, the same glory, the same resignation, the same dependency, the same worship, the same awe. Everything that we're doing it's not like it's not like a wedding ceremony where you go through it three or four times on the Friday night before the ceremony in order to get it right, and then later on you're doing it for real. We don't know when it gets real. It gets real in the room when we cross a threshold of faith and reality for us personally. And it happens for you as an individual in a moment you don't expect it. And everything up to that point was practice until you have a moment like no other moment. Then you realize it wasn't meant to just be practice. It was preparation to get your heart fully engaged for you to realize it was always real all along. You just never knew it until you cross that threshold in that moment. And that moment can be any moment, any day, any service, any prayer meeting. He's not stopping it. He's not holding back the waves of glory. We are. We choose whether we can enter or not, but we don't know how to enter. And so it's practice because we don't know how. But as you give yourself to these things that are important, selflessness, abandonment, desperation, humility, honor, adoration, glory, all of a sudden the magical equation of your heart being fully open causes you to come into something you never had before. That's always been going on in heaven. It just rolls in heaven it's just going on over and over and over and over and heaven's saying come on earth come on people we're waiting we're looking you're close you're close to an amazing breakthrough you're close you're close to opening a gate you're close to something coming in on you that's here and we're waiting for you to open oh, we're knocking Jesus is knocking on your door, not you knocking on our door. He's saying, open to me. Church, church, open to me. Open to me. Open to me. Church, open to me. Church, open to me. Open to me. Father, we pray. As Paul prayed for the churches, for the spirit of revelation, 
Father, we declare we, we see in part and we know in part. But Lord, we want as much clarity as can be had. I believe Holy Spirit is depositing something in your heart right now. He's saying, listen, the clarity you have now is not the clarity as it's been intended to be. So many thresholds, so many measures that can be had. How much do you want? Do you believe, do you know that something else is possible? Do you know how badly the Spirit of God wants to commune with you? This is at the heart of the issue. Do you realize how much I want you to see me, says the Lord? Do you know, do you understand how much I want you to know me? I want to be known by you. There's something inside of every single one of us We love to be truly known and loved at the same time. But we hide because often when we're known, we're not loved. That desire to be known and loved comes from the Father. (laughs) That desire to have complete transparency between you and another person was born of God. You, it's the deepest longing that you have, and it's meant primarily, firstly, to have with him. And everything the enemy is doing is to shut you down, to make you unable to relate to anybody no less him, except through veils and veils and veils and veils. This is what fear does. This is what entered into creation when Adam and Eve ate of that tree. They immediately were afraid of their nakedness. They were intimidated by being fully seen. And from that point forward, the impulse was to conceal. But the deepest longing that you have is to overcome the fear. The fear of your nakedness, of your visibility. There's something to be found where we know him as we are known. And we know one another as we are known. And we say, Father, help us. Help us break past the systems. The regulating systems of religion that says this is permissible but nothing more. This is expected but nothing more. This is possible but nothing more. We say it's a lie. And we don't know. We don't yet know. Moses was the first Israelite of that era 
to venture to draw near to the Lord. And if you look at everything that happened from that day forward, it could be mapped out in terms of in, increasing intimacy of connection. What he saw in the burning bush was a very superficial manifestation of the glory of God. Amazing in its own right, but superficial, elementary, almost nothing of the majesty of not only the kingdom of heaven, but the Lord himself was being revealed in that moment. Only an aspect of his holiness. And the progression of Moses' life from that time forward was to discover that there was more to this God than he ever could have imagined. And so we have a number of moments where he begins to see the unfolding of the glory of God. And one major step forward happened in Numbers where they were invited to the mountain because the Lord said, I want to reveal myself to the people. Think of that. Listen, this is the desire of God. Is there a people that I can reveal myself to? I want to be known. I want you to know who I really am. Have you heard... Psalmist sing that song. Have you heard wanton lovers and wounded people fearfully approaching relationships? I want to be known, but I'm afraid. And God's not afraid of us being known, but he, he realizes we can't handle knowing him. And so he has to give the revelation of himself in tiny little increments. Because we can't handle it. We will flee. We run from the room. So you have this moment when the nation of Israel is invited to a grand unveiling. And what is the response? Don't, don't let us see the Lord again. Don't let us... We don't want to hear him. We, you speak to him. You relate to him. This is too terrifying. And Hebrews quotes that scripture where it says, even Moses at the sound of the trumpet and the deafening, glorious activity of whatever is happening on the other side of that veil begins to run down the mountain. He himself is terrified. Terror sends you running the opposite way, but God is saying, no, this is an invitation to get closer. How do you do this? It's... It's incompatible. God is inviting you to come closer. Do you have the courage and the foundation of faith that, that causes you to have enough confidence to draw near and not run away? So what happens? The nation says, no, we don't want it. We don't want this. So he invites a small cross-section of people up the mountain. About 74 people come up, have this amazing encounter with the Lord, but it's still not enough for Moses. 
still not enough for Moses. Later, he says, Lord, show me your glory. And we sang that song, Lord, show me your glory. You mean you were up the mountain? You ate and drank with God? You saw the sea of glass? God on his throne? You and all... And it's still not enough? You, you and Joshua went up further the mountain? You waited a week? What was that? To, what's that called when you acclimatize to the pressure of that, that distance from God, that proximity? And then God calls you up. And still, after all this, you say, I want to see your glory. Because Moses realized there are layers and layers and layers and layers to this thing. And the Lord is saying, listen to my, he's saying to us, the blood of Jesus gives you permission that you can approach as close as you want and you won't die. Who's going to do it? Who's going to draw near? And you look at the whole body of Christ across the earth. Everybody has the perfect provision to come as close as you need to come. And yet, how many come close to really know the essence of him? But Moses says, I want to see your glory. To see his glory, he has to go through the dark clouds, the thunder, the lightning, everything that's terrifying. But when he gets on the other side... And God hides him in the cleft of the rock and begins to declare his name. It's sheer beauty. It's the most tender, merciful love, the most accepting, the most embracing of anything. You could not even have begun to imagine it. I thought, who would have known that behind the fierceness of everything that shook my being was consummate love. Who would have known? If I'd have known this, Lord, I could have braved any, any risk. But that's the, that's the journey of faith. Are you willing to brave the risk when it appears to be risk? Because in your heart of hearts, you know that he really is love. Do you believe that? As much as fear continues to keep you at a distance, it's proof we don't believe it. But the promise is this. A generation is going to arise in the earth who will experience my fullness. Not because I decided, hey, this is the time when I'm going to do this, but because a people, a generation of Jacob, have decided, I'm going to seek his face. I am going to know this amazing God. I am going to pay whatever price. I'm going to rid myself of whatever separates me from him. I'm going to draw near. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to be like David. I'm going to be like Moses. I'm going to try and qualify however I can. I'm going to believe. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to give this myself to this one desire. I want to know you. 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 This is the majestic plan of God. Revealed since the beginning of time. 
God is saying, I want to know you. I want you to know me. Marriage is a picture prophetically of the union between Christ and his church. What is marriage? It's a relationship that is more intimate than any other relationship, where you are more known than in any other context, the, the marriage relationship. When, it, when Paul is talking about it in Ephesians, he says, I speak about Christ and his church. The desire of Jesus is to have a union with the people on a scale that's unimaginable. Oh, what it would do to us. Oh, the changes it would bring to us. I was just talking with Kim Wheeler yesterday and he he began to share something. I've been meditating on it since then. And he said this, he said, I believe we're coming to a time when a great distinction is going to arise between the world and the people of God. I believe that's true, and I believe it's coming, but it's going to happen not because God is willing it, but because a people are going to be changed through intimacy through proximity to God like no other generation. One generation will take advantage of the invitation that every generation has had. Decide now that that's going to be you. So you don't have to know what it means. You don't have to know how to do it. You just We're just saying, oh God, teach me how to do this. Teach me how to draw near. Teach me how to really worship you. Teach me how to humble myself because you resist the proud. Teach me how to believe. Teach me how to kiss the sun. For the last 15 or so years, we have been inundated in movie after movie after movie about various kinds of supernatural heroes. I want to tell you that it's a prophetic foreshadowing of the generation of Jacob. And that the unusual supernatural abilities that suddenly mass uh, manifest upon people because they were bitten by a radioactive spider or they came from another place or suddenly something came on them. They discovered whatever it is, however those things met, it's a prophetic picture of a generation of Jacob. I'm telling you, the distinctions between the saved and the unsaved is not meant to be minimal. It's meant to be catastrophic. And you think, well, yeah, I don't know that I can be that unique and special person. I want to say, no, you can't. You cannot be that person. But when you draw near to the creator and suddenly 
the empowering glory of his presence begins to activate a code that's in your spiritual DNA that was planted in you, suddenly the nature of the Son of God begins to come through you. Independent of your skills, your intelligence, your 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 beauty, it doesn't matter where you came from, what your education level, what your what your aptitudes are, something happens, something is birthed, something breaks open. There's coming a generation who are gonna experience the majestic manifestation of a nature. That creates such a distinction between the saved and the unsaved that'll cause the world to marvel. And in the same way, they said, Isn't this Jesus, the carpenter's son? They'll say of you, Isn't this that once broken woman who is an alcoholic? Isn't this the adulteress? Isn't this the thief? Isn't this the drug addict? Isn't this the average human being? There's stuff in you that will only flourish in the proximity of his presence. But if you don't stand out, significantly against the backdrop of a fallen world, you have not hardly begun to understand the seed that he put inside of you. This is better than Mickey Mouse's magic beans. There's something in the DNA of the word of God that's so much greater than you know. So much so that when it begins to bring inhuman capacities, power, authority, you'll just, it'll increase your capacity for worship because you'll know it wasn't you. The part that was you is the alcoholic, the sinner, the broken one, the insecure one, the sick one, the feeble one. The intimidated one. That that was you. This is something else. Do we want it? I'm going to ask Kim Wheeler to come forward and pray for us. If you don't know Kim, Hermano Kim, he is uh, an apostle to the nations. And after he prays, he's going to pray an impartation. But I, how, many, how many of you enjoyed this morning? Isn't there an amazing presence? You know, sometimes God likes to do things different. In fact, the one, the one thing you can bet on with God is that he is unprecedented. He loves to do things for the first time. We like to do things that are safe because we've done them 50 times. But once you get past fear, you don't need the systems anymore. So, Father, we receive today, not only from you, but Lord, from your servant. Amen. Just 
going to take a couple minutes first to share um, something the Lord's been very clearly showing me. It fits in exactly with what, what's happening. And, you know, we're praying, singing the generation of Jacob. Um, actually, last Sunday morning before church, we're, my wife and I are very early risers. So sitting in bed and reading a little bit, meditating, then I started reading the news. And my whole countenance changed from, from, you know, like, oh, wow, you're so good, God, to, oh, Lord, what's going on? Who's going to save us? You know, and reading all the news. And I, I just put, I put my iPad down, and I just started asking the Lord, what, what, what if, what's going to happen? I heard this word, and I've had some amazing things with the Lord, but this one was up there. It wasn't audible, but it might as well have been. I heard these words. And he says, I have a plan. It was just so clear. He says, I have a plan. And then he says, and that plan involves you. And I was thinking, wow, my countenance changed immediately. From of like, what's going to happen to, I can't wait to see what's going to happen. But that plan, he wasn't referring to just me. He was referring to you. I have a plan, he says, and it involves us. It involves this church. It involves his children. And it's a good plan. We, we, we know the words. I have a plan. And it says it's for a hope and a future. And it was just beautiful. But it fits along with what we're talking about here. And you look at a man called Jacob. And uh, I shared about a month ago, the Lord gave me this, this word through another man. And, and it just radically rocked me. He says, do you walk with a limp? And here's a man named Jacob who's given all the promises, just like us, right? We've now received the promises of the Lord. And he's, give, we've given, he's given us his marching orders as to what to do, where to go, who we are. And it's about what we do with it. And here's this man, Jacob, who's been given. It says, your, your, your grandfather has been given the word that he says, I'm going to give you the world. You're going to be the father of many nations. And now here's Jacob. The batons have been passed to him. But he hasn't seen it happen. He's been going through all kinds of struggles. He's been, he's been a supplanter, deceiver, and now he's being deceived. He's being uh, all kinds of issues. And now his brother's coming. He thinks his brother's coming to kill him with 450 men, warriors. And Jacob's afraid, and, he's, and he starts to go out, and he says, I, I've got to do something. And I'm just giving you the whole story in a very quick caption, but... But he comes to a place, and there's this man. He goes into a cave. I don't know. We don't know why. But he goes into this cave, and he says he starts wrestling with this man. Now, now most theologians say this is this was Jesus. We I believe this was Jesus. And he starts wrestling all night long with this with this man. And the man says, it's almost daylight. We've been wrestling all. Let me go. Let go of me. I got to leave. 
And Jacob's comment was saying, I'm not letting you go. I'm not letting go until you bless me. And they still wrestled and they still fought until the finally came to the time when, when that man says it touched his hip. He says, okay, I'll bless you. And he touched his hip, says the man, and Jacob received the blessings of God. But he says he came out of that cave a completely different man. And, the, and that man, who was God, and he turns around and he says, who, what's your name? Now, he knew what his name was, but he asked, what is your name? Jacob, meaning supplanter. He says, it's no longer Jacob. Your name is now Israel. You have a new calling. You have a new future. You have a new name. And that name is Israel. And he touched his hip. And he left. And he never walked the same. And everybody could see it. Everybody could see it. He wrestled and he fought. How many here have been wrestling and fighting? Physically. Physical issues. And you've been wrestling with God, saying, God, why am I not healed? Or you might be fighting, wrestling with spiritual matters. Or maybe the call of God in your life. And you're saying, God, why is this not happening? And I feel this is the time, what Mark was sharing. There's a time coming right now. I can see it. It's off in the very near distant future. Very, very close. That there's going to be a very divine distinction between the uh, world and the church. But it's those who are willing to, to wrestle with God and not give up and say, God, I'm not, I'm not giving up. I'm not letting go until you bless me, until you give me what I know I'm supposed to have. Some will quit. Some will say, I've, had, I've got enough. I'm okay. But how many here are willing to grab hold and to continue on? How many are willing to grab hold and say, I'm not letting go until you bless me? So my question is, do you walk with a limp? When you walk with a limp, people see it. People know it. Faith, that's faith. Faith is this evidence and the substance. And it, 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 the substance, people can see it. And they say, there's a man who saw God face to face. Jacob was the man who said, I saw God face to face, and I'm still not dead. I'm still alive. Mark alluded to that. He says, God wants us to come and to wrestle with him because he's preparing us for this very near future that is coming. And he says, God says, I'm looking for those who have a limp. Because then I know that you can endure and you can handle it when it comes because you have seen me face to face and you haven't died. And if there's fear in us, if there's a fear in us of that, he says, I can't take you, I can't use you to that extent. Are you willing to have a different name? Are you willing to have a limp? Are you willing to wrestle with God until the morning? Amen. Some of you are wrestling with other things. I just feel that that God says, says, hang on because that your redemption is here. Your redemption is, is close. It's close at hand. And hang on. Don't quit. Don't, don't, don't lose hope. Grab hold of that promise. 
You see, Jacob that night, he grabbed hold of the promises of God that were given to him. And he saw it fulfilled. And we're at the precipice of that right now for this world. And God, I believe, is truly, it says, it's like, I feel it's like the wakening up of the ten virgins. We're all coming out of this slumber. And, 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 and now, he says, there's the five that are ready and the five that aren't ready. There's the five that wrestled with God and won. And there's the five that were wrestling with God but gave up. But I believe we're the ones that we don't want to quit. I don't know about you, but I want to walk with, with men and women of God who have a limp. They're very distinct. You can see it. You, can, you, can, you, you know who they are. How many want to be one of those? Amen. Amen. So, Father, we just pray over this congregation, over your children. As, they, as we wrestle with you, we grab hold of your great and precious promises for divine healing and health. We grab hold of your divine precious promises, Lord, that there shall be no lack, no lack in your body for any good thing. Father, we lay hold of your promises that our future is good, that your future is good. We speak it forth, O Lord, that you have a plan, and that plan involves us. Lord, we release that anointing that we can walk in that. Open our eyes to see, O Lord God. Open our eyes that we can see it, O Lord God. We receive it. And we won't let go until, you, until we see it, until it's ours. Until you bless us, O God. Lord, bless us. Bless us indeed. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Mark Twain, I'm going to end with this, but Mark, Mark Twain had a quote that said, um, there's the two most important days of your, of your life are the day you were born and the day you know why. I believe today is the day we know why. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Kim.